The reality is this, we need hope. I hope that you get that. We need hope as much as we need food. We need hope as much as we need water. We need hope as much as we need oxygen to breathe. Without hope, there is no willingness to go on. Without hope, there is a desperation of wondering what this life is all about and not wanting to continue in that life. And I'm here to boldly proclaim to you this morning that our hope is in Jesus Christ. Though we try to put our hope in all kinds of things, in relationships and doctors and retirement accounts, whatever it is, none of those things last and none of those things can be depended on. That's why our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ who never changes and who is always faithful and who loves us unconditionally. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to watch any of the traditional Christmas movies this season. I'm not a big movie watcher, but over all of my years, I recall that They all end with people having a smile on their face. They all end with everybody happy. They all have this great, wonderful ending. And I think that's neat. I just don't think it's very real. The fact of the matter is, is that we all go through difficult times. That we all face hurt in our lives, that we have trials and tribulations and troubles and disappointments. I'm not talking about the inconveniences of life. I'm talking about pain. I'm talking about a desperation. I'm talking about a sense of hopelessness. We all encounter that kind of experience in our life. Folks, that's why this is a season of celebration. Because Jesus Christ is our hope. And 2,000 years ago when He was born in that manger in Bethlehem, that wasn't the start of God's plan for us. It was the continuation of His perfect plan. Jesus Christ was born came crashing into our world, if you will, to bring us hope. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I think it's important that we take pause at some point during our year and recognize and admit that all of us face difficult times. I would love it if we were able to kind of out of this mentality of a preacher standing in front of four or five hundred people delivering a sermon and maybe kind of transport ourselves into an office somewhere where you and I could just sit and talk. I would love it if that was the kind of the feeling that you had as we looked at the scripture briefly this morning. That you and I just had an opportunity to share together. I don't know how many times, hundreds and hundreds of times. I have had the opportunity to sit with people who were going through difficult times. Sometimes it's in my office. It's why I have a box of tissues right there on my desk. 
They'll share difficulties and they'll share trials and they'll share, share with me tribulations and disappointments and heartache and hurts and heartache in their life. Maybe it's in a hospital room where I've had these conversations with people. Maybe it's in a funeral home that I've had these conversations with people. Maybe it's sitting in your living room. And we have shared together and we have prayed together and we have cried together. And what I share with you this morning basically is all I know to share with somebody who's going through a difficult time. And here's the message. Jesus Christ is our hope. And He never changes. And He's all-powerful. And He loves you. He does whatever it is that He wants to do. Some of you here this morning, and you think your marriage is in a hopeless state. It's not. Jesus Christ holds all authority in His hand. You don't want to go on. You feel like you're stuck in it. Jesus has an answer. Some of you here this morning, and you're having a relational difficulty, a relational disappointment. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe they're grown and gone, but there's something going on in their lives that's keeping you awake at night. and You toss and you turn and your heart is heavy and you're hurt. Maybe they're still at home. Maybe you're seeking for wisdom and you just don't sense that there's any out there, but there's a pain going on in your life. You love at a level you never knew you could love before and you see them going through a difficult time and it's hurting you. Maybe other relationships. Some of you here this morning, and you know what? It's just a very real physical pain in your life. You hurt. The doctors don't know what to do except pump you full of pills. And you know that there's got to be something more than that. And you're beginning to ask yourself the question, I'm not even sure, do I want to live anymore with this? Maybe it's a doctor's diagnosis that's your trial, your trouble, your tribulation this morning. There are a lot here this morning who are dealing with emotional pain as well. You're lonely. I think of our young people this morning and I, I begin to hear about some of the things that our teenagers are dealing with in school. Difficult times that are very, very real and they hurt. There's some who feel like they're just so different and they'll never fit in and they'll never be loved and they'll never be accepted. And, and they ask themselves the question, do I even want to continue on in this life? It's a sense of desperation. And it's real. Every week, Bridget Farrar, who heads up our prayer team, prints out the prayer requests that you give us every single week, three or four typewritten pages, and I read through those, and there's everything from physical challenges to emotional challenges to relational challenges to financial challenges. Everything that you can think of, and as I read through that list, I, I, I begin to pray and I begin to cry when I think about some of the things that our people are experiencing in their lives right now. And I think about God's promises. And I think about what Jesus might say if He sat with us in the office or in the hospital room or in the funeral home or in, or in the living room. 
We don't have to wonder a whole lot about what he would say because it's given to us in Scripture. One of the things that he tells us in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of John is this. He said, I've said these things to you. All that I've taught you, all that I've modeled for you, our prayer times together, our interaction together, what you've seen me do, all of these things, he says, I have made available to you, I've said to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have trouble, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have disappointment, you're going to have heartache. But take heart, I've overcome the world, Jesus says to us. The King James Version of the Bible says it this way, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus sits with you in your living room or in the hospital room or wherever it is that you're in your time of trouble and tribulation. And listen, if I may say it this way, He has the nerve to say to us, Be of good cheer. Take heart. It's as if he's saying, everything's going to be okay. I am God. And I have all authority in my hand. And I am in control. And I have a plan. And everything's going to be okay. Believe me and trust me. These things have I said to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer, he says. I've overcome the world. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the God-man. Jesus, the Son of God. The Messiah. The King of kings. And the Lord of lords. Didn't have His beginning 2,000 years ago. But when He left heaven's glory and came to this earth, it was the inkling, it was the beginning, it was the scent of the hope that He wanted us to have and to live with. In the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, we see that. The, 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 the prophet begins telling us about a people who walked in darkness, who have seen a great light. And the light was shining. And it says this in verse 6, For to us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and of peace. There will be no end. And on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it will justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. For me, that's kind of the, the beginning point. It's kind of that, oh, there is hope. This is one of over 300 things that were foretold about Jesus hundreds of years before He was ever born that He came to fulfill. That little baby that was born 2,000 years ago, listen to me, is God's provision of hope for us. And we need hope like we need food and water and oxygen to breathe. We need hope. And God's provision was in that little baby that it talks about in Isaiah chapter 9. The Apostle Paul writes this in the book of Romans. 
Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is a verse that is telling us and teaching us that God is not only our hope, He's the source of hope. He's who we go to for hope. And He says to us, may the source of hope fill you with joy and peace as you place your faith in Him, as you trust Him, as you believe in Him. And as you experience that in your life, the Holy Spirit that indwells you will give you an abundance, an overflow of hope that you so desperately need in your life. Listen, no wonder Jesus says to us, in the midst of our trial and our trouble, be of good cheer. Take heart. You have hope. And that hope is in me. And you can experience that hope in my relationship with you, in my involvement in your life, in my interaction with you, in my love for you. He says, take heart. He makes these promises to us. Here's what I would say to you in the office. When there's a sense of desperation and hopelessness and not even sure I want to go on, here's what I would say to you. I would say first, God is with you. That you can experience His presence in your life. As a matter of fact, He will never leave you. And if He is with you, then He's aware. He knows what you're feeling. He knows the burden. He knows the heartache. He knows the disappointment. It did not take Him by surprise. And He is there with you. He says to us in another part of Isaiah, you, you needn't worry because I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I am God, He says to us. I will give you strength. I will help you. I will support you. You are not alone in this. He doesn't desire that you go through a time of, tro of trouble and trial and difficulty alone. This is hard for us to understand because it's not our experience. The reality is this, is that people that we love and people that are part of our lives sometimes will leave us. I mean, sometimes it's family or friends that, 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 that move to another city, to another state, to another country. They're gone and there's separation there. They're no longer with you. Sometimes the people that we love die. And there's a separation. Sometimes there's, there's disagreements or, uh, or difficulty in relationships and relationships cease. The reality is, is that people will leave you, but God never leaves you. He's always with you. Look, have you heard it so many times it just has lost its meaning? God is with you. You can experience His presence. This isn't a rabbit's foot in your pocket. This is the God of the universe. This is the Creator of it all. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the One who's infinite in knowledge. This is the One who holds all power in His hand. This is the One who loves you perfectly. He is with you. Do you experience His presence 
in your life? Can you experience His presence in His life? Will you experience His presence in your life? He's with you. We can turn to Him. We can lean on Him. He said, I will never leave you. Folks, I've had opportunity in the course of ministry to stand at many, many grave sites. And I hear people say, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go on. Tell me, Pastor, how can I go on? The only thing I know to say to them is God loves you, God is real, and God is with you, and God knows your pain. God will be your provision. You can experience His presence in your life right now. That verse that we read in Romans 15 says that even in this difficult time, He will give you His joy and His peace as you trust Him and as you have faith in Him. He is with you. He is with us. And He watches over us. And He cares for us. I read to you this passage of Scripture in Lamentations. It's one of my very favorite in all of the Bible. It's in the third chapter in the 21st verse. The the, the 21st verse, it, it goes through the 24th. The 21st verse says this, This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Here's what the writer is saying. When I remember this, I begin to experience hope. When I remember this truth, then hope wells up inside of me. When I remember what God has promised and what God has said, the hope inside of me becomes stronger than the trouble that haunts me. There is hope. And he goes on and he says, here's what he has hope in. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. The Lord, he says, is my portion, my provision, if you will, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. God's with you. Not because he has to be, because he wants to be, because he loves you. But not only that, here's another reason to take heart in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your heartache, in the midst of your circumstance, God's doing good things in your life even when the circumstances seem unbearable. That God is at work. That God is not unaware. That it didn't surprise God. God never looks at a circumstance in your life or an experience that you've had or a disappointment and go, man, I didn't see that coming. I'm going to have to call the the Holy Spirit, and you know, we're going to have to get together and we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do now. God's totally aware of what you're experiencing in your life. It didn't take Him by surprise. And He is at work in your life in the midst of that circumstance. As a matter of fact, the Bible says He's going to use that very heartache, that very circumstance, that very disappointment, that hard time, He's going to use that in your life. He's going to use it, the Bible says, for your good. Do you believe that this morning? Come on now. Do you really? I mean, really? That God can take my heartache and my disappointment and use it for my good? That God, in a way that only He can, could receive glory through my life because of the disappointment that I'm experiencing right now? Folks, that's what the Scriptures tell us. 
It's either true or it's not. We either believe it or we don't. Have you ever been in a situation where you've asked yourself this question? God, where are you at and why is this happening to me? Why? We want to know that, right? Why, 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 why? You know, the number one question when we get to heaven. Why, 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 why? Why did that happen? I want you to know this morning, God has an answer. Sometimes He reveals it to us and sometimes He doesn't. But He's got an answer. He is at work. He is accomplishing His purposes. That's what the Bible tells us. God says that when nothing makes sense, when we don't understand, He's at work. And He's molding us and He's shaping us through the difficult times. And He's working His purpose, His purpose in our lives. Romans 8.28 We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That's hard for us. Really? He's that big of a God? That He works all things together for our good? Notice that it doesn't say all things work out the way we want them to. It doesn't say all things have a happy ending while we're here on earth. And by the way, we know that's not true, right? Not everybody who's sick in the hospital gets well. That's true. That's reality. Not every marriage is happily ever after. That's a reality. Not every business is successful. Not every friend is faithful. We go through difficult times in our lives. Not every problem gets resolved. But here's what the Bible says. It says first, we know. We know. Not we wish. Not we think. Not maybe so. But we know. It's a certainty. It's not an attitude of optimism. It's not a being a half glass full kind of guy. This is a fact. This is something we know. We know that God causes, that God is in control, that God's working His plan, that my life is a story, and God is the author, that nothing surprises Him, that He is the one who leads, that He's the one who's in control. We know that God causes all things, all things, whether it's difficult things or happy things, whether it's illnesses or unemployment, whether it's bonuses or whether it's miscarriages, whether it's failure, divorce, freak accidents, bad choices, it says all things, all things, that God works all things together for our good. That's what it says. I like to tell our people, all there, translated in the Greek, the original language means all. It means no exception. It means that even if I make bad choices, God is there. God's in control. I'm not bigger than Him, and neither are my choices. And He says, I'll work all things together for your good and, and for my glory, is what Jesus says. All things together for your good and my glory. I'm at work. You can't mess this up. Folks, look. And we'll go on from here. I could talk to you for hours this morning about the bad, bad choices I've made in my life. 
I, I, I could talk to you about going to the wrong school and studying the wrong subject and doing the wrong things. Bad choices in my life. I could talk to you about some ugly, ugly, ugly sin in my life. None of it surprised God. I think a lot of it, I think it all, some of the bad choices, disappointed Him. <laughs> it was not His plan for me. It was not His will for me. It was not His design for me. But He's bigger than my choices. And He takes those experiences in my life and He's the one that's at work. And He's the one that's doing something in my heart. He's the one that's changing me. He's the one that's molding, that's molding me into the person that He wants me to be. There is a promise in Scripture that says this. To everyone who has a relationship with Jesus, it's been predetermined that you will be conformed to the image of Jesus. So He's going to take your life, He's going to take your experience, and He's going to take your journey, and He's constantly at work. He takes no vacations. He's always with you. He's constantly at work. And He's using your experiences. He's using your choices. He's using your life. He's molding you and shaping you into the person that He wants you to be. He always has a purpose in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that pain and that hurt and that heartache. Keep in mind that God is at work. That God has a plan. That God has a purpose. That God will work things together for our good. Notice too in this verse in Romans chapter 8 that there's a qualifier. That's a promise for those who love God. That's a promise for those who have relationship with God. Those are, that's a promise for those who know Him. He's involved in their life and He has predetermined that they will become conformed to the image of Christ. One of the prophets in the Old Testament wrote this, God has good plans for you. It's not plans to hurt you, but it's plans to give you a hope. Plans to give you a future. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament writes this, God has begun a work in you. He's begun a work in all of those, it says, that love Him. And you can be sure. You can take this to the bank. He's going to complete His work. He's got a plan. He has authority. He has purpose. And in your life, He will complete His purpose. No wonder Jesus goes, be of good cheer. Take heart, He says, because God is with you. Be of good cheer, He says. Take heart. Because God is at work even when circumstances seem unbearable. And He says this to us too. This may be my favorite. Be of good cheer, Dale. Take heart, Dale. This old world's not your home. You're not home yet. God has this eternal perspective. He sees way before the beginning and He sees way after the end. He has this eternal perspective. He created me for eternity, not for the here and now. We should have an eternal perspective. Listen folks, this is true. Our ultimate hope is heaven. 
That's our ultimate hope. Hope is a future certainty. Hope is a fact. Hope is not maybe so. Hope is not positive thinking. It's not wishing. It's a certainty. During one of the most difficult times in the disciples' lives, they're gathered around Jesus. They know that He's fixing to leave them. They don't know what in the world they're going to do. They've left everything that they own. They've left their businesses. They've left their families. They've come and they follow Jesus. And now they find out that Jesus is fixing to leave them. And here's what Jesus says to them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe in me the same way I am God. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If that weren't true, I I wouldn't tell you that. And I'm going there to prepare a room for you. I want you to notice how personal that is. He knows your name. He knows all about you. And he says to you, I'm going there to prepare your room. And when it's finished, I will come back and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, that's where I want you to be also. And he says to the disciples, he he says, um, you know where I'm going. And you know how to get there. And old Thomas, remember Thomas, doubting Thomas? Thomas speaks up and Thomas goes, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how do we know how to get there? And Jesus said to them all, and he says to us today, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets there except through me. Folks, that's hope. That's a certainty. He says to them in their most difficult time, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says to them in their most difficult time, I am with you, and I will guide you, and I will lead you. I'm the way. He says to them in their most difficult time, I'm the truth. Quit believing lies that the enemy is telling you. Quit believing lies that you're telling yourself. Quit believing lies that other people are telling you. You're telling yourself that you're not good enough. That you're not worthy. That you're too different. That no one will ever love you. That no one will ever accept you. That you'll never amount to anything. That you'll always be a failure. Lies, lies, lies. Jesus says in your most difficult time, I'm the truth. Believe me. Here's what I say about you. You're my brother. Here's what I say about you. You're a prince. I can do anything in your life that I want to do. Here's what I say about you. I'm going to conform you into the very image of myself. You're going to be like Jesus. Here's what I say about you. I'll use you beyond your wildest imagination. You're a champion for Christ. I love you. I love you unconditionally. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That even in the midst of difficulty, there is life. He says abundant life, overflowing life. Is that your experience? Jesus came to give us that. Heaven is our home. This is not our home. We don't know a lot about heaven. We talk like we do. We think we do. The reality is, eye has not seen nor ear has heard, nor has it even entered into the thoughts of man what God has prepared for us. But he tells us a little bit about heaven. He tells us it's a place where there will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. There will be no more death. As a matter of fact, he says in heaven, 
those things are gone forever and ever and ever. That's hope. In the midst of the pain, I want to remember this is not my home. The Bible calls us sojourners here. You know what that means? It means we're visitors here. That this is not my home. God says to us, believe me, believe me, those who wait on the Lord, those who trust in Him, those who believe in Him, He will give strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. Folks, we need hope. We need it like we need food. If we don't have hope, we don't have life. And Jesus Christ is our hope. And He makes some promises to us that are specifically for times of trial and tribulation and trouble. He says, I am with you and in your trouble, I am at work. I'm not unaware. I know what's going on. And I'm going to use that in your life. And besides that, don't forget, this isn't your home. You're not home yet. You're on a mission field, if you will. And your work's not complete. And on that mission field, you're going to face opposition. All of the time. Opposition, opposition, opposition. But one day you'll get home. But you're not home yet. And he makes these promises to us. But it's important that you understand these promises aren't universal. These promises aren't for everybody. The Bible is very, very clear. These promises are for people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not everybody in this room has a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that is true because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that every single one of us are sinners. That we've all messed up. There's not a person in this room who can't say at least once, I messed up. That makes us all sinners. But the Bible's very clear about this too. God loves you. The Bible says that God loved the world. That means every one of us. God loved the world so much that He sent His Son Jesus into the world to die. And if anyone believes in Him, they'll never experience spiritual death. They'll never, their soul will never die. It will live forever. The Bible says God demonstrated His love for us. God showed us that He loved us. He didn't just tell us. He showed us that He loved us in that while we, we were His enemy, He sent Jesus to die for us. So we know that God loves us and part of this relationship is God and we know that His part of it is love. Lavishing love. But we also know that we're sinners and sin separates us from God. If we've made one bad choice, it separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. The Bible tells us this, that there is a penalty for sin. It cannot go unpunished. And the punishment for sin is separation from God. You can't have a relationship with God if there is sin. And we've all sinned. That's where our hope comes into the picture. That's where that baby 2,000 years ago, that's why we say He is our hope. Because He was born without sin. And He never sinned. And because He never sinned, He could take my penalty for sin, my punishment for sin, my payment for sin. And that's what He did on that cross. When He died on that cross, He died for me. When He died on that cross, He had me on His mind. And He paid the penalty for my sin. I think there's a lot in here who know that, but you've got to do more than know it. 
You've got to trust that. You've got to believe in that. You've got to have faith in that. Listen to me, folks. Jesus isn't some magic wand that you wave over your problems so they'll go away. He's not some genie in the bottle that you call on when you have a need. He is God. and He desires to have a relationship with you. And in that relationship, He says this, come and follow Me. When we place our faith and our trust in Him. When we believe Him and what He did for us on Calvary, the Bible says He transforms us. He changes us. The Bible says old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The Bible says He gives us a new want to. He changes us in such a way that we want to follow Him. And it's in following Him, it's in relationship with Him, it's in intimacy with Him that we begin to experience His promises. I'll always be with you. I'm at work in your life. Heaven is your home. Have you made that decision? You here this morning? Have you trusted in Jesus? He is God. He died for me. I want to follow Him. It's where the relationship begins. It's not the beginning. I mean, it's not the end. It's the beginning. The beginning of a journey. And it's where that relationship, it's where that journey begins. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to remain seated a little bit this morning. Dale, how do I enter into this relationship with Jesus? Well, it has to do with the attitude of your heart, not the words that you say. But I can lead you in a prayer. This prayer is just words. But if it's the attitude of your heart, God will hear you. It's a prayer that goes something like this. God, I recognize that you love me and I would like to have a relationship with you. I am a sinner. Made a lot of bad decisions. But I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sin. To bear the punishment for my sin. To pay the penalty for my sin. I believe that's who he was. I believe that's who he is. I believe that's what he did. And I want to give Him myself. And I want to follow Him. I want to accept Him as my Savior. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Help me to follow Him faithfully. Teach me Your promises. Help me to live the kind of life that might be pleasing to You. You repeated that prayer after me or you said a prayer like that in your heart and that was the attitude of your heart. I want you to know that God saved you. You don't have to take a class to get saved. God saved you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God will transform you. God has transformed you. And God wants to do a work in your life. I'm talking to everyone in this room this morning who's going through a difficult time. Maybe even a time of desperation and maybe even a time of hope. God loves you. God is with you. God's at work in your life. Hold on. This isn't our home. I'm going to ask the guys if they would to just kind of minister to us in song.
this is a time of commitment. It's a time of dedication. It's a time of interaction with God. I want to invite you just to spend time with Him as we worship together. Guys, lead us if you would.